I'm Ed Gross, and you're listening to CloserWeekly.com's classic TV and film podcast, where we celebrate the golden age of television and movies, then and now. Back in the 1970s, there were few shows bigger than Happy Days, which ran on ABC from 1974 to 1984. Over the course of those 11 seasons, it went from being a nostalgic look back at life in the 1950s to an oftentimes silly, but mostly funny, focus on Henry Winkler's The Fonz and Ron Howard's Richie Cunningham, with some potsy Joni and Chachi thrown in for good measure. But as over-the-top as things were, one of the things that kept things rooted was Marion Ross's portrayal of Richie's mom, Marion Cunningham, better known by The Fonz as Mrs. C. Marion recently wrote her autobiography, My Days, Happy and Otherwise, which provided the perfect opportunity for the two of us to talk. By the way, sorry for some of the sound quality on my end of things. This interview was conducted on home equipment while I was ill. Don't shoot the host, shoot the microphone. For your book, I mean, it takes a lot to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to tell my story and put it down on paper. First of all, what motivated you to do it? And second of all, how hard was the process for you? Well, you know... My son brought this uh, this writer to to my house. He said, "Mother, you you're going to talk, and he's going to write. He's going to write your book." I said, "No, <laughs> okay. no, 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 darling. I'm not going to do that." But but it, I'm and they tied me to a chair, you know, and so <laughs> and I, I'm awfully gl- glad they did because we all have a story, and because because I was from Minnesota and we had nothing, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, nothing but a lot of dreams and ambitions. This was before World War II. My mother was a Canadian from the high prairies of Saskatchewan, and was I was always raised on you can be anything. And and then I had a, a crippled brother, so I was like a second little girl. Uh, every, all the elements came together to make to give me an awful lot of drive. Which for women wasn't really the way back then, was it? I mean, or am I being an idiot for saying that? Uh, that you know what I mean? Like for a woman to be back then, you're talking about before World War II, right? You're saying to be convinced that you could do anything in this world is that it was that normal? That was just beginning to merge. Okay. That kind of feeling was just beginning to mer- to come out. Okay. But but, I, but for me. Because I was not going to be like any of the other ladies. No, I, could, I was going to be somebody. And that came from my Canadian mother. Mm-hmm. She had tremendous drive. She, she got herself out of Canada as fast as she could. <laughs> I know. And the rest of them stayed up there. And they, be, they were wheat farmers, you know. Right. Uh, but she got herself on a... I think of it. It's wonderful. Here she was probably 20 years old. She was a very young teacher and got herself on a trip to Europe, went to Europe on a big ship that had had all the soldiers and everybody from World War II, World War One, no, World War One. you wow. know, so she visited all the battlefields, uh, and so all of that was in this big trunk that she always had with her, and she was just a very Irish, highly motivated, you can be anything. And I thought, I will, Mama, I will, I will. If I could just get a little attention, because I had a crippled brother, yeah. I didn't get much attention. No, that's got to be hard, too, especially when you want to, it's like, look at me, I can do this. And it's like, suddenly, well, that, oh, wait. Got- that was exactly what happened, because yeah. that made me an actress. That made me, uh, in fact, they would, 
they would say they would be telling stories, war stories, you know, and they would say, "Oh, look at Marion, look at me." I would be over there crying, also very aware that I was crying, you know. <laughs> now, now you are crying. Why? Because of the stories being told. You mean, or stories about the war? Oh, okay, yeah, you know? yeah. What was happening in Germany? What? Well, this was the beginning of the war. Right. So the America didn't come into the war. Uh, Seventeen, you know, Pearl Harbor Day. Oh, yeah. and, until I was probably uh, like twelve, thirteen. Right. So, so first of all, if you if you couldn't be a boy and go off to war, then God, you had to do something. You had yeah, to do something <laughs> to stand out. So how you know it's it's great to sit there and say I'm motivated. My mother convinced me I could do this. I could do anything I wanted to. So how did you decide? that it was acting, and just as importantly, how do you make yeah, it... It's, go ahead. it's interesting. I would go in the, in the library and read who's who of famous people and read the lives of actors. Oh, interesting. Uh, okay. It's like, I read a book about Noel Coward. I don't even know if you know who Noel Coward I do. was. I do. Well, and so, all right. So I read Present Indicative was his first autobiography, mm-hmm. and that was very important to me. Now, by the time I'm 25, I am acting with Sir Noel Coward in Blood Spirit. We did a live production at CBS. Lauren Bacall played Elvira. Claudette Colbert played the other wife. Wow. And I played Edith the Cockney Maid. And... I tell you, and there I am with Noel Coward. I cannot believe it. In my youth, this was just un- unbelievable. They, you know, they would call me and say, uh, can you go over to Humphrey Bogart's house on Sunday afternoon? <laughs> We're going to have a read-through, and Mr. Coward has to see you. God, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, right? That is amazing. But I was under contract to Paramount by the time I was 23. Okay. So it shows you what kind of drive and push I had. Oh, yeah. And that, and that, see, that raises the question, though, to go from going to the library and reading about Noel Coward to be performing with Noel Coward, what was that journey? I mean, how hard was it for you to make that happen, to start making that career take well, some form? I, 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 when I was um, 15, I said to my mother, um, I'm in in Minnesota, in Albert Lee, Minnesota, which is 120 miles south of Minneapolis. And I would go in the library and read read theater arts magazines. And one day I find a school, a school in Minneapolis. Oh, wow. McPhail School of Music and Drama. And it, it wasn't a New York school. It was there in Minneapolis. And I say to my mother, can I go up to the city and uh, work for a family and take care of their children and so that I can take drama lessons. And my mother said, of course. Wow. Of course. Now, the war was going on. So my father was down in Panama working at, at the Panama Canal right. for the war. So, but my mother, being the Canadian adventurer she was, she said, of course you can go. So that's... When when I when when I the first time I came home to visit I was so homesick, and all my little chums uh, kind of laughed at me. Why? All my dreams and all my big oh. ambitions. Right. And I thought, 
I'm never going home again, ever, ever. Yeah, because you don't have and to put up with that. Said, <laughs> the family now in my 11th grade said, will you stay with us and take care of our children? And I said, my mother said, of course. Of course you can. <laughs> so I did. And then in the 12th grade, the, we sold, the war was over. We sold everything we had. We all got on the train and we went to California because my father was transferred to California okay. from the Panama Canal right. to San Diego. Well, my dream was to go to New York, but now we're on the train and we're going to San Diego. And my mother, by now, I've had so many drama lessons that, and I had a real nice Minnesota accent, you know, it was real nice. And, and they, they were trying to get me to lose that. So by that time, I couldn't talk at all. You know, I'm on the train. And my mother is saying, don't pay any attention to Mary, and she's going to be an actress. Don't pay any attention. Okay. Do you love it? <laughs> yeah, it's great. I, I love it. I think it's a great story. That is a great story. It's wonderful. I always think it's amazing, though, when somebody, you know, everyone always looks at somebody, oh, well, you know, they're a success. They're in these TV shows. They're doing these movies, blah, blah, blah. It's the road to getting there to me that's fascinating. You know, how me hard it too. is. Yeah. That, yeah. Nothing. Uh, then I got, and then I got this part, and they said, "No, the the journey is what the heck motivated you exactly. and gave you the drive and the energy." Yeah, you know, and like you said, you were under contract at Paramount, and but obviously, was there a drawer of television for you, or were you just happy to be acting, whether it was the big screen, the small screen, whatever it was? Well, television was not such a plus at right. that point, but but uh, of course. As soon as I got dropped from Paramount, I lasted a year. Okay. And I don't know if you heard this story, but no. one morning up in makeup, yeah. the girl under the dryer next to me up there in the new talent department, and she, she got up and up and up and up, and it was Audrey Hepburn. Oh, wow. And she was just my age. Right. I went out and got two candy bars and ate them right away. <laughs> That'll show the world. <laughs> I would kill myself. <laughs> so you didn't go out drinking, you right got a couple of candy bars. There you go. <laughs> yeah, right. So was it frustrating? Were you upset when they let you go? Or did you see it as an opportunity to do other things? It was so upsetting to be there because I never saw so many beautiful girls in my life. <laughs> and, I, and, and I had it. I got a contract. They put me under contract because I had done a really good screen test. And I, it was very uncomfortable to be there because everybody was pretty swift. Pretty swift. What do you okay. mean by pretty swift? So what do you mean by pretty swift? After, after a year, I got dropped. Okay. I was, I was relieved, you know. Really? Relieved. So then I started, uh, the next big job I got was uh, on on the on live television where I was used to doing plays. So live television um, at CBS, and we were doing Life with Father with Leon Ames and Loreen Tuttle, and we were doing it live. Wow. Live. And I played Kathleen the Irish Maid. Now, in the story, they fire, father fires the maid 
uh, every act. In the play, he, there's, a, there's a new maid every act. Right. Well, I lasted three years wow. on, on Life with Father. Wow. And it was a very, very good experience. And CBS was, was wonderful at that time because lots of live dramas. Theater yeah. One, Playhouse 90, all kinds of uh, good stuff was going on. Oh, it was the time. I mean, seriously, that, that golden age of television, as they call it, with, with that type of stuff, all the anthology shows and everything, it was a wonderful time. Well, in fact, we did a show called, they were the anthology shows, and then we did a show called Matinee Theater. Yeah. And this, these, these were live. These were live. Wow. And so you, you had to be able to take it. it. It's so funny now when they do a lot of shows, and if I'm coming across too loud, let me know. I'm trying to speak up a little bit. Uh, uh, there are so many shows now when they do something live, it is this big event now. And they don't real, people don't remember that there was a time when television was largely live. There was so much live television. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I guess the only thing we have is live is the talk shows, huh? Yeah, and then they sometimes do like a live episode of, you know, Will and Grace or something else. I don't know what, but uh, they do that on occasion where they'll do a live yeah. show. But it's very seldom that they do it these days. No, so it was it was a high tension when the little logo came up for CBS. You know, boy, you're on. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Half of Leon Ames characterization in Life with Father was stammering around trying to find the next line. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when I was growing up, there was a soap opera. You probably heard of it. It's called Dark Shadows. Do you remember that? Sure. See that soap opera? And I remember as a kid, I loved it and loved Barnabas Collins and Jonathan Frid who played Barnabas Collins. But then you go back to it as a kid, you didn't recognize it, but you go back. That man cannot find his or remember his lines for anything. He is constantly stammering. He is constantly looking for his cue cards. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, he forgets his line and needs somebody else. There's one episode where he goes, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to. Uh, and now he's looking for that cue right, card. And then the woman right. looks at him and goes, you're going to kill me? He goes, yes, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> In fact, that was one of the, the fun parts of that period, the kind of mistakes that were made and yeah. the kind of rescues, you know, were just hysterical. But now, behind the scenes, did people get crazy when there were mistakes made or they just accepted it as part of uh, part and parcel of what you were doing? Well, most, all, all of us were trained for the theater. Yeah. So we expected to be live, expected to be uh, on your toes yeah. to correct whatever happened. You know, the prop that broke, the, the, anything that happens, you know? Right. Now, TV, you know, obviously, when did it start changing? Like, at one point, did you decide you wanted to, like, did you at some point decide you wanted to be in a series, like a regular ongoing series, or did that um, just sort of happen? No, I didn't decide, but Life, life with Father, for me, was, it, right. it was a three-year job. Sure, right. That's pretty swell. Absolutely. And we rehearsed live all all day long, and then filmed it once a week, but live. Now, right. when you get to filmed filmed television, now that's a different technique all altogether. And it was it was interesting to be under contract to Paramount because when when you'd go into the lunch place, there would be Martin and Lewis, you right. know. Yeah. Uh, the, here would be. 
uh, James Mason over here, Marlene Dietrich would come swooshing in, you know, a hush would fall over the dining room. C.B. DeMille was around the corner having his lunch. I mean, it was pretty, pretty darn big time. Oh, yeah. Oh, and as somebody who's come to Hollywood, who's read about the stars and all that stuff, it must be mind-blowing to suddenly be sitting among them. It, it was, absolutely. Yeah. Who could eat? Who could chat? Who could, who could do small talk? Because I was, a, I was like a nervous wreck. Yeah. No, absolutely. You know, it's, you know, it's interesting. When you, when, I'm jumping ahead slightly here, well, I guess a lot, but between season one and season two of Happy Days, you got two very different filming experiences, didn't you? Yeah. Because season one was filmed one camera. Season two was live in front of an audience again. Well, we we uh, we first started one camera, yeah, and so it had a very quiet tempo to it. Then Gary decided that we we could get more energy if we have an audience out there. Now it was a lot of fun to have that audience. That that audience really became part of our show. Yeah. Because they loved the Fonz. They just went crazy, whatever he did, you know. Oh, it's And then it's when great. Chachi was added, they went crazy about Chachi. Yeah. And Tom Bosley, you know, he had won the Tony on Broadway with Fiorello. So he was a, he was a seasoned Broadway performer. Yeah. And uh, it was, we, and we would rehearse all, all week long, which is a wonder. We, we like that. We like rehearsing. Yeah. Well, it's good to work everything out, right? I mean, you get to figure exactly. it out. Exactly. Yeah, Changing yeah. the script all the time. Yep. Last, like last minute, they would say, uh, 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 okay, paid so-and-so. Change that line. Okay. So keep on your toes, really. Right. And was it fun to work like that? Where you, you had that constant? It was. Yeah, it was okay. tremendously fun. Yeah. Uh, because if you ever did make a mistake, oh, you know, the world stopped. Right. Okay, you, somebody made a mistake. Now we got to correct this whole thing. It's right. fun. The audiences loved it if we made a mistake. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I think, yeah. like, I thought one of the funniest things on Happy Days is when somebody would, Fonzie would do something and get a laugh, and the audience would go so crazy that Henry Winkler would start to smirk. I know. I love I that. I always be. thought that was great. <laughs> always made me uh, do it. Now, was that your first series after Life with Father, I guess? Was Happy Days? Regular <clears> series? <throat> I think it was, uh, right? I guess so, yeah. I think so. And when you did that pilot that aired on Love American Style... That, That's right. We that, did that. Right. But I think we did that on film. Oh, okay. So that was a film. different thing. And then right? they gave us... They gave us... They said, here, here's $1,000, and go away, and we're, we like this a lot, but we don't, we're not sure if we're going to do it yet. So I went off to the, to the Globe Theater in San Diego. Now I'm doing Summer in Smoke, Tennessee Williams' big play, and I've got the lead in this play. And my agent calls me and he says, get out of that play because they picked up Happy Days. We're going to have a, a series. So, so Was that exciting? The rest or? history. Yeah. Well, then we had 10 years of Happy Days. Oh, it was an amazing run. It really was. Uh, right. Truly amazing. Was it weird uh, adjusting to the difference between Harold Gould as, as Howard and uh, and Tom Bosley? Or Yeah, it took me quite a while to win Tom Bosley over. He wasn't very keen on me. Really? And I had not been on Broadway, and he had. So he he didn't think too much of me. But... Over the years, we became very, very close. Yeah. 
Wow. Who knows that Mr. C could be like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he would have preferred somebody else, you know. Wow. You know. And all of those experiences are good, good training for you, you know. You mean in terms of dealing with that sort of thing? And, I mean, can you take a punch, right? Yeah. If you're going to be in this business, you really have to be able to take a punch. And it's got to be rough having your co-star playing your husband who doesn't want you. I mean, that's right, right, yeah. right. He would say, "Don't touch me." I would think, "Oh, okay." Oh, what does that mean? You <laughs> know, he wasn't going to get chummy with me. No. Really? Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's hard a- for me. Very hard for me. Because you seem like a very warm person, and to have somebody pushing you off like that has got to be hard. Yeah, yeah. So, so what I did was finally I got some needlepoint, and I thought I'm going to, when I'm sitting here on the set, I'm going to do some needlepoint so that I can keep out of trouble because uh, I'm always getting in trouble with Tom. Right. <laughs> when did it change? I mean, what do you think changed finally? It just wore off finally, finally. He just didn't like me. He wanted, he obviously he had somebody else in mind for the part of right. playing his wife, you know. Right. So. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? You worked out just fine. Don't worry. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Um, you know, was it, str- obviously, when the show started, it was about the kids. We knew it was about Richie and Potsy and, and all those yeah. and Fonzie. But the show became such a machine for Fonzie and Richie. Was that okay with you guys sort of really being pushed? I mean, well, it, it wasn't a kind of a problem because Tom, here he is from Broadway, and right. I'm an actress. And I, I can remember going to uh, Gary Marshall and saying, could, why, could we have a little more in the, in the story? Could we have more? And he said, no, 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 it's not about you. <laughs> <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> what about you? Okay. I said, I understand. Okay. <laughs> wow. At least he was honest, right? He didn't give you some nonsense like, oh, yeah, we'll do that and then not do it. So look at it that yeah. way. You know, but Tom, he must have not, did he, was he upset by that or? <laughs> well, his part was bigger anyway. He ca- he would carry the plot a lot, you know, so yeah. so his part was better than mine. My part was like, oh, Howard, you're not eating. Oh, Richie, you're not. (laughs) You sound just like Mrs. C when you do that. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. But, you know, it was a a job. And, you know, we had, you must have known we had this softball team. I have heard about that, yes. Yeah. So we, I tell you, that softball team kept our cast together. We traveled around the whole United States, met thousands of people, played before the major league ball, you know, like before the Yankee games, before, before everything, the Dodgers. And it was, they trained the Fonz, they trained Henry Winkler to be a pitcher. He didn't know how to pitch before. Wow. And Ron Howard was a very good ball player. So was Anson Williams. So was Scott Bayo. So, and, and Donnie Mose. So the ball team and Gary Marshall himself played first base. We traveled all over the United States, and then we even went to the East German border wow. and played softball with the infantry over there. Can you believe that? But that device, and then it, when the show was totally going to close, the next morning we got on a plane, we flew to Okinawa, 
and we played softball with the U.S. Marines in Okinawa. And this was when? I mean, have I not had a great life? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You have. You know, and what what did that, having that softball team, though, what did that do for the cast? Was it a bonding thing? I mean, what was the purpose of this? Besides saying, oh, let's have fun, was there more to it? I think it was a chance for Gary Marshall to play softball. (laughs) (laughs) As simple as that. Really? Okay. All right. (laughs) But it was a wonderful device to keep us together, and that's. Isn't that something? Yeah. I have my own bat. I have my own mitt. I got my own uniform and shoes. You know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I can hit really good. That's good. <laughs> I'm not such a good fielder, but I can hit good, you know. That's good. Like you said, you've had a life. I mean, that's a lot of fun. That kind I know. of stuff. You know, it really is. You know, did the success of that show surprise you because it got so big? Oh, yes, now. indeed. Absolutely. In fact, it's now looking back on it that its um, aura holds up. I mean, it's getting to be a long, ta- a long time ago yeah. that 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 Happy Days image still holds up, and and it's a tribute to Ron Howard. Ron Howard was such a wonderful gentleman. When the Fonz walked off with that show in in his pocket, you know, Ron took it like a gentleman, and everything that Henry got on his contract. Ron also got. Oh, so that's there you good. go. That's good. Uh, with that, but you know what's amazing? What I love about it is that Henry could have very easily taken the lead on that show in the sense of credits. He could have gotten his own show, and he didn't. He he no. always chose let Ron be lead. Very smart. Yeah. Very smart. Yeah. Truly, the right thing to do, and I admire that. And uh, and I really thought the show. I don't know what your feeling was. I mean, for me, the show was never the same once Ron left because I always banked on the Richie and Fonzie thing. That no, was... it didn't. It, it was getting pretty old. No, we just we, we didn't want to give up on it. So we mostly didn't want to give up the ball team, you know. So that was <laughs> what right. it was about. Wow, keeping it going, keeping the team together. We could have ended the show, but then what would have happened to the ball team? You know. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's a real <laughs> dilemma. <laughs> so we'll do another five years of the show just to keep the ball team together. Okay, that works. Right. You know, no, it was just, um, yeah, it just it just didn't feel the same anymore uh, when he no, left. No, I'm I'm a very lucky person to have had that happen in my lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and then you go off and you do a like a. I guess, what do they call it? A dramedy like Brooklyn Bridge, which was another really good show. Oh, I loved it. You know? just Gary David Goldberg cast me in that. Yeah. I had a hard time getting that part. Did you? Is because it... I'm not Jewish. And right. I had to be Jewish. Yeah. And all these, all these Jewish actresses kept coming out of the woodwork in New York City saying, I want to try that. I want to try for that. So it took me a long time to get it, and um, we we didn't last long, you know, about a year, uh, year and a half or something. But it was I loved it. Yeah, no, it was a really good show, you know. And uh, did the did the whole Happy Days thing sort of make it difficult for you to get cast in that type of role, or that really didn't play into it? Um. And not so bad, but no, because I always was an actress, you know, I always was an actress. Right. So it wasn't so hard. In fact, I drew, you know, I played Drew Carey's mother on his series. Yes. And so I've had a very full, rich career, all kinds of stuff all over everywhere, you know. 
you know, I, I wonder when you sat down and wrote your book, did you come away with it with any revelations, things that like you hadn't really thought of? And like, like, did you open your own eyes to anything when you were writing the book? <laughs> no, it's like, wow. Um, I'm such a positive person that I would want anybody to know that, that you could follow your dream, you know? Yeah. So follow your dream. <laughs> so what's what, anything happening now? What's going on with you? Anything? Oh, no, darling. I'm retired. I'm 90. I'm 90 years old. So what? Can you, you believe that drive. it? No, I can't believe it, actually. So, in, in fact, really, I really should go to lunch now. You, you know? should do that. Okay. I really should. <laughs> Can you do that? Uh, I, I want to thank you for taking the time today. I really do appreciate Thank you, it. darling. Right. You're fun to talk to. Well, thank okay. you. I enjoyed talking to you. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. Right. Take care. Bye-bye. You know, lunch is sounding pretty good right about now. Be sure to order a copy of Marion's autobiography, My Gay is Happy and Otherwise, from Amazon. And while you're at it, subscribe to this podcast, be a pal and give it a five-star review, and let us know what you think. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.